Hello, I'm Jim White and welcome to It's Friday, your arts and culture guide to this weekend. Coming up, One Direction alumnus Niall Horan is back with a different sound. And we journey back to the 1970 Miss World Beauty Competition with Kira Knightley. This competition makes us compete with each other and makes the world narrower for all of us in the end. Why should any woman have to earn her place in the world by looking a particular way? Plus, we chat to the great goodie, Bill Oddie, who's made a triumphant return to our screens this year after 11 years away. My life has, through other reasons, changed quite a bit because uh, the BBC rather unceremoniously told me that they didn't want me to do the next series. But it wasn't that I was um, I was ill. The BBC put out that I was uh, it was health reasons, and, and that's what, which is nonsense. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify, and leave us a review. But first, do film trailers give away too much about the plot? Take Free Willy. i got to look out for Willy, and i got to do what's best for him. Understand? If we don't get Willy into water, soon he's going to die. Is Willy going to make it? Will he be freed? Well, 20 seconds later, the trailer shows Willy leaping over the wall and out to freedom in the ocean. Don't let that whale get away! Go, Willy, go! The greatest adventure of the summer... Or how about the trailer for the American survival drama Castaway? Tom Hanks is marooned on a desert island with no way to escape. Surely he can't survive. We were lost for four years. We had a funeral, coffin. What was in it? Looks like he probably makes it then. Uh, Joining me are the Daily Mail's film critic Brian Viner, the Daily Mail's TV critic Claudia Connell and our entertainment columnist Baz Bamigboy. Um, What do you reckon, Baz? Trailers give away too much? Far too much. Far too much. And in fact, point of fact, you've just saved people a lot of money. (laughs) They won't need to go and see the movies. But often I, I, I see trailers and I think why are they giving the plots away? I mean, there's a big new movie coming out in September called The Kingsman with Rafe Fiennes and Gemma Arterton set during World War One. And I was on the set and I, was, I had to sign an NDA about you know, not giving anything away. In the trailer, they give the key points away. <laughs> I mean, I've had to swear then, but I was furious. And I thought, what's the point? Two hours, 15 minutes. Two minutes, 15 second trailer. We are the first independent intelligence agency. Preserving peace and protecting life. Welcome to the club. Generals gathered in their masses. <laughs> Witches at Black Masses. While governments wait for orders, our people take action. But what's happening is is that they're longer than ever because they're all online now, you see. Yes, in the old days, I don't remember going to the cinema and sort of seeing so much. It was all the old cliches, wasn't it, Brian? You know, this yeah. autumn. I remember <laughs> the, the original trailer for Star Wars is, uh, it goes, this autumn... One boy, one girl, one universe. <laughs> Which could be any story ever, ever told, really. The story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. Now, I have a friend who refers to trailers as spoilers. So if you, you talk about 
a film you know you imagine imagine a film to her and she said oh yeah i've seen the spoiler for that <laughs> and actually that's you know that's what they're just full of spoilers more and more and more and it's i think there are four types of trailer i think there's the there's the trailer that just does give it all away that's like a synopsis of the film and goodness knows why they do that and it's just you know it is full of spoilers and you think well why bother then there's the the, the proper one the teaser it's supposed to make you really want to go and see a film which i think the new bond film baz would you agree no time to die you know, it looks, it looks great. And you think, yeah, this is going to be fantastic. And actually, it doesn't really matter if it gives the plot away because plots don't really matter that much in Bond films. The world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were double O. Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. But, I mean, as long as you show a bit of bit of Bond, you know, yeah. looking looking strapping, and exactly. a few Bond women, we can't say Bond we girls can't anymore. Say Bond girls, a few Bond women, and then we're happy. Yeah, exactly. And, we, and then we soon forget, like Chinese food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said that, not me. But uh, and then there are the, there's the, the the trailers that show all the best bits, so that by the time you and actually, I thought the David Copperfield trailer was a bit like this recently. This narrative is far more than mere fiction. Are you David Copperfield? I am indeed. It is the true story of the life I was about to lead. Your mama is ill. How old is she? Very ill. Dangerously ill. She's dead. It shows all the best bits, and by the time you go and see the film, you think, well, I've, you know, I've, it they weren't giveaways, they weren't spoilers, but it was, you know, by the time you see the movie, you think, well, I've seen that in the trailer, you know, I thought that maybe there was a bit more to it. And then, you know, there's the, there's, there's the other one that, where you go and see a trailer and you think, well, if those are the best bits, I'm not going to blim and bother because it looks absolutely rubbish. So, uh, which I think you, Jim, had, had that experience with Emma, didn't you? I recently? did. I, yeah, I yeah. saw the trailer for Emma and thought, I'm not going to go. And then you told me it was a really good movie. Dearly beloved friends, we gather here. In this time of man's great innocence, Innocence. Innocence. Mm-hmm. And by the way, what's happening also, and I don't know if you find this, Claudia, the trailers come out a year in advance now. You get trailer one, two, three, and four. So, you've, Brian, you're right in a way. You do yeah. get to see the whole movie if you, if you go to the movie as uh, much as we do and see one, two, three, four trailers. That's the movie. Um, yeah. um, Brian, of course, spends his uh, whole time uh, watching press previews, so doesn't yeah. get the trailers. You're an ordinary consumer an of ordinary movies, Cla- Claudia. I mean, do they annoy you? Do you get fed no, up with I, them? I like the trailers. A lot of people time their cinema visit so that they miss the adverts and they miss the trailers but it always used to be called coming soon didn't it at the cinema and I, I, I love that I think that's all part of part of the experience for me but Claudia you told me earlier that you go straight to the last page of yeah, the book see, when I you don't read mind it so you don't mind I, actually, I always read the last chapter of a book first, so I, I, it, it doesn't put me off knowing what's going to happen that's a new one I must try yeah. that yeah. Read, read it backwards yeah. uh, but, but yeah. Baz is saying you know the, the point that Baz is making about the fact that it's now online and therefore it's going to be longer and going yeah to, yeah that has changed everything hasn't it i suppose it, i suppose it has but you know the the, the this phenomenon that goes back a long way it's not so uh, yeah maybe trailers weren't so long in the old days but there was a i've just talked about the plots not mattering in bond films i'm about to totally contradict myself because in goldeneye which was 1995 what's that 25 years ago there was if you remember it was a uh, pierce brosnan bond mm. and the villain was sean bean who played 006 and the trailer, and if you saw the film, you realise that you're not supposed to know that, that he's the villain at the beginning of the movie. Um, but the trailer gave it away. Also starring Gert Rober as Goldfinger, 
international cheat international menace so and that was all that time ago so it's been happening you know since year dot yeah and also i mean i was in preparation for this i did my, i do my homework i was watching last night a trailer for gone with the wind gone with the wind has captured the imagination and acclaim of the entire world the screen has never known a love story to compare with this when red butler meets scarlett o'hara i love you more than i've ever loved any woman and i've waited longer for you than i've ever waited for any woman it was a one minute 20 second trailer with uh, Scarlett O'Hara being being pushed around by Rhett Butler and uh, and the burning of Atlanta yeah. and it just gave you a taste it didn't give the whole story away but just a little taste and the, I, I'm sure that's why it was a huge hit in 1939 in, in the United States in the United Kingdom so Brian yeah. uh, who does it right what what trailer has really worked uh, recently well I mean for me the Bond the Bond one the world's moved on, Commander Bond. You were double O. Two years. So stay in your lane. You get in my way. I will put a bullet in your knee. The one that works. You know, I think they've just picked out some great iconic scenes from this new movie that unfortunately we've now got to wait much longer to, to see because it's not out until towards the end of the year now because of the coronavirus thing. But so I think they get they get it right. They, you know, they are teasing you into going to wanting to go and see it we'd probably all go and see it anyway with with or without the trailer but i think they do that well in that in that film but you know sometimes uh, you know there are thrillers and um, the, the kind of film where you least want to know what's going to happen and they like girl on a train do you remember that the, the, the trailer for that you're right i don't see many trailers but i saw that one and i thought hang on a minute you're telling the whole story here you're blowing it well there's a film coming out in a couple of weeks called a woman in the window directed by joe yeah. Wright with amy adams and i saw a trailer in it when i was in new york and i thought god i can't see that <laughs> but then i saw the movie and realized that i'd seen the main <laughs> plot <laughs> points yeah yeah so we went on the big screen yeah. but we're gonna have to stop there because i think we're giving too much of the game away um can i just say uh, brian mentioned coronavirus and before we began this discussion um baz handed out some hand sanitizer sanitizer <laughs> that is yeah. proper work thank you oh, very much indeed there Baz. you go i like to help and by the way there'll be many more bond trailers because the film isn't opening until november I there's going to be three more oh, and then you'll know the whole movie oh. something to oh. look forward to thanks everyone now we probably know him best as one of the goodies or as part of the spring watch team but would it be fair to call Bill Oddie a writer or a comedian, a composer or a musician, an artist, a birdwatcher or a conservationist? Most recently, he joined forces with Lindsay Chapman, Steve Backshall and Miranda Kretovnikov in Wild Animal Rescue to look at the work of people who are determined to do the right thing by Britain's wildlife. Bill joins me now. Um, so, Bill, how many wild animals did you manage to rescue in the series? I, I must admit, and this is very naughty and un, um, unfaithful of me, but uh, I, I was a bit concerned when I saw that title because uh, it's not really a rescue program in the sense that I think most people expect it. You know, for people, oh, God, there's, in a, there's a deer falling down a, a well or something like that, or, uh, or animals that have been injured one way. Another. that's the 
normal meaning of rescue, and I think it was loose, used a little bit loosely here, not by me, not by <laughs> me. It was whoever thought up titles. And, um, uh, you know, so, so it was about the people who are rescuing, and re- rescue in the sense that these animals and birds and insects are in trouble, and are things being done about it? And, of course, in some cases there are. And, and, and Bill, is it, is it good to be back on telly doing wildlife um, subjects again? Apart from anything else, as one gets older, and I have definitely got older, you know, there are limits to the things that you can do and actually enjoy because you can do them, you know. And so whacking great walks and climbing up mountains and taking risks in general used to be part of the job for me, especially um, before the wildlife thing. All the goodies, that was frequently dangerous. They wouldn't be allowed to do it now. We have health and safety. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was the most dangerous thing on the goodies then? The first nasty thing we encountered was the first day of filming. That horrible bike, which, um, I mean, it, it was made very thoroughly in that, but it only had two sets of pedals, not a third one. Uh, I was lucky because I was on the back and I didn't have to pedal, whereas the front two, Tim and Graham, had to get it exactly right when we started off. Otherwise, the pedal would whip round and sort of gash your leg. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I sure it was making, making a virtue out of the incompetence because we, we fell off it time and time again at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Whose idea was the bike? Because it was such a central um, part of the goodies, wasn't it? That, yes, it was, that it three on a bike character. thing. Well, Graham and I were the, the, the chief writers on the programme, and so it would have been one of us, I guess. Uh, you know, we went through a process of thinking, well, there's three of us, let's see if we can think of the equivalent that you get, you know, Batman or whoever, riding um, uh, a supersonic car, all that sort of thing. We've got to find a silly way of travelling. We didn't bank on finding a hurtful way of travelling, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we did. You know. How did you make the transition from that lovely, warm comedy that you did that to presenting wildlife um, uh, documentaries for so long? What, what was it that, 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 that you well, transferred? It, 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 I'd like to feel it was in the stars and the powers that be were always directing me that way. But the fact of the matter is I have been or had been interested in birds in particular ever since I was six or seven or something like that. I was quite well known in the bird world. You know, I remember Sir Peter Scott ringing me up and saying, would you come over to um, the Wildfowl Trust and explain to me what all this twitching business is? <laughs> and, and I think that's what got me switched, as it were because the then head of the Natural History Unit, I think, had got, got, got to hear about this. And um, so he said, uh, have you ever done any presenting of things? I said, oh, I've done a couple of short things for ITV or something like that. And he said, well, I think we should go a little bit further. And they, it sort of built from that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but, Bill, uh, there must be an awful lot of hanging around, though, in wildlife. I mean, waiting for something to happen. Uh, are, you a, are you patient? Are you able to do that? What yes, does it make I, you patient? I, 
I am patient, actually, when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, I put that down to the sort of criminal childhood because, like so many kids of the 1940s, 1950s, I used to go egg collecting. And although eventually it dawned on me this wasn't a very good idea, um, most kids did. Uh, but I got very good at it. And the only way you could get very good at it was to sit very, very quietly, especially if you know there's a nest in the area, and just wait and just wait and get to know the calls of the birds as well. You know, I had a huge patience uh, with that when I was very young. What about energy? Is your energy level still as they were in those old days of getting on a tricycle and belting around with the good? Yeah. Unfortunately, no, it's all to do with, uh, with, with life catching up and ageing catching up. You know, there are some things. I had a knee replacement earlier last year, for example, which I'm happy to say is done pretty well, but I couldn't run and play football anymore. I don't like getting older. I seriously don't like getting older. I don't like the idea at all, but uh, it happens and you have to let it happen. And I guess make the most of it. You know, that's the... the I'm giving advice on women. <laughs> There's the future, Bill. What's next on your agenda? I don't know. I genuinely, I mean, my life has, through other reasons, changed quite a bit because uh, the BBC rather unceremoniously told me that they didn't want me to do the next series, and that was about eight years ago or whatever it was. Um, I was delighted that Chris Packham took over because he's, in, I know him quite well, and he's a fantastic naturalist and he does a lot, you know. So I thought, well, if anybody deserves to take it, I want Chris, please. But it wasn't that I was, um, I was ill. The BBC put out that I was, uh, it was health reasons, and, and that's what, which is nonsense. That's BBC talk to, um, we're not going to tell you what it is. And when I asked, I said, look, I, I, you know, I don't want to drop this. Why? I was really heartbroken. And um, all of which, well, you know, it's sort of, it's, it's lots of reasons. Then, you know, what are they? Oh, it's, you know what I mean. You know, and there's a lot of waffling. And I never got a straightforward answer. So that was a pretty horrible way to end what had been about 10 years of my life. But, you know, at the same time, during that period, I got to go to some terrific places. And uh, and I love talking to a camera. <laughs> People often say, shut up. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a camera around and there's wildlife to be watched and commentated on. I really enjoy doing that because I'd, I'd treat the, the secret, as it were, is to treat the camera as a person, you know, so if you would, you've got a guy walking next to you, that's your camera, and whisper to them, you know, come here, over here, you know, and I, I think that's the way it came over, as realistic anyway. A camera, wildlife, and Bill Oddie. Long may that combination continue. <laughs> Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much for joining us, Bill. Not at all, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Now it's time for Hits and Misses, where our critics take aim at the latest entertainment releases, avoid the hype, and give us the inside line on what they really think. Um, first off, uh, the Daily Mail's uh, film critic, Brian Viner. Uh, this week, the star of The Exorcist, uh, Max van Sydow, passed away. Yeah. He reached a good age. Yeah, he did. He was, what was he, 90, I think? Um, yeah, a wonderful actor, fantastic screen presence. 
do you remember the, the Exorcist? You know, he was the priest in The Exorcist, and he was he was fantastic in that. And he was a in all those Ingmar Bergman films. He was a he was a a really really terrific actor. The, I read in one of the obituaries that the um, the director of The Exorcist, William Friedkin, um, had to make him look frightened. Max von Sydow was just looked too cool always to be kind of scared <laughs> by anything. So he just fired a gun randomly on the set just to make old Max, you know, suddenly think what's going on here um and that's how he made him look startled and scared in the exorcist so they have so their ways film directors they do they yeah, do yeah. Um, and and what about their ways this week what have you been watching? well yes i've been watching misbehavior which is the film about the 1970 miss world contest which was the not quite the birth but certainly the first one of the first milestones in the women's women's liberation movement or women's lib as we quickly came to know it because uh, some of these women protesters sort of infiltrated the audience at the Royal Albert Hall and started throwing flower bombs and uh, turning football rattles and basically just sort of undermined the whole event much to the chagrin of the host Bob Hope. Last year a hundred million people tuned in live to Miss World more viewers than for the moon landings or the World Cup final. Beautiful darling. Mum don't you and your sisters used to love playing Miss World. We also like to eat our own snot. They must have no defects. And if they're not pretty much 36, 24, 36... Come on. The curves won't be in the right places. But we really believe beauty isn't just skin deep. The girls also get marks on charm, grace, deportment. Swimsuits. <laughs> Things have changed a bit, I think, since <laughs> yeah. those days. They have somewhat. Uh, so you've got Kira Knightley and Jesse Buckley playing the two main protagonists in terms of the the disrupting the proceedings uh then you've got Reese fans playing eric morley we all remember or those of us of a certain age will remember eric and julia morley as being the sort of brains behind the miss world contest keely hawes plays julia um and greg kinnear plays bob hope who's who's shown uh as a rather sort of bit of a sleazebag old bob um but you know those were the those were the times and you know we, we weren't quite so enlightened then as we are now um gugu mabatha raw plays uh miss Grenada, Jennifer Hoston, her name was, um, and I, we've just been talking about spoilers. I won't actually tell you what what becomes of her in the Miss World contest in 1970, but if you look it up online, you'll find out. It's it's a sort of worthy effort. It's, it's directed by uh, Philippa Lothorpe. Uh, it's written by two women, so it's a, it's a it's a real women's film. But it's sort of, and it, you know, it doesn't seem to quite know whether it's a comedy or whether it's sort of social commentary, and it it kind of slightly never quite resolves this problem that you have, you know, undoubtedly, uh, you know, this, this, the whole contest was, was demeaning in many respects. Although as that clip told us, a hundred million people around the world watched it, you know, and we, incredible you know, view yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Ah, more than, as it said, more than the moon landings, more than the world cup final. You know, I don't know if you remember, Jeff, I certainly in my comparatively enlightened household in the 1970s, I used to sit there with my, parents watching Miss World it was an unmissable treat every year you know and my mum who worked and she was a you know a pretty modern woman but she had a thing about knock knees I seem to remember she would she would always say well Miss so Denmark she would sit in judgment she them. would sit totally in judgment oh no Miss Denmark's got knock knees you know things that you couldn't you wouldn't say today in 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 the same way but what it doesn't quite do I didn't think was resolve this issue of here you've got Miss Grenada it was the first time that a that a black contestant had done extremely well without me letting on exactly what happened in the Miss World contest and 
that she wouldn't have had that opportunity had it not been for Miss World. So I'm, this is not a, I'm not launching a defence of Miss World, but on the other so and and you know that sort of comes up and there's a bit of a um, confrontation between her and the Kira Knightley character towards the end, where you know she says that she says, look, you know this this has given me my chance this 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 contest and Kira's like, no no it's absolutely outrageous and disgraceful and we need to get rid of it and so. You know, so there's some, there some big issues there, and I don't think it quite resolves them. Uh, so, you know, there's 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 quite a bit to like. There's some funny moments, some decent. I'm not a huge Kira fan, but she's fine in it. Um, so, sort of a grudging hit. It's Friday the 13th uh, today, uh, Brian. Have you got yeah. anything in your locker that's going to scare the living daylights out of yeah, us? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a film called The Hunt, which is a sort of a horror film. It's a it's very violent, um, and it's sort of a social satire. There's a bit of Hunger Games echo to it, and there's a bit of Get Out, that very good horror film a couple of years ago that was, that was so terrific. The premise is quite strange. You've got a um, a group of sort of liberal elite, white liberal elitists, who are hunting down these these people that they call deplorables, which I think is a word borrowed from Hillary, Hillary Clinton. Clinton. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, and they are perceived as being sort of racist and right wing, and and generally sort of you know not deplorable in the in the words of uh, the elite hunting them, and they're hunting them to kill them. I mean, they kill them in some pretty horrible ways so first of all let's listen to a clip what is happening what is all of this did you see that article every year these liberal elites kidnap a bunch of normal folks like us and hunt us for sport the last i heard free speech still exists don't first amendment me it wasn't real we were joking a weird mm, premise, but I have a yeah, sense so uh, got, which side the movie is on. Yeah, well, you've got Hillary Swank, who you just heard there, and Betty Gilpin, and they're played. They're they're on kind of each side of the divide, and it's. I'm always very uneasy about extreme violence, and there is real kind of gore in this film, uh, being portrayed on screen in the name of comedy, not exactly comedy, but satire, and I that sat very uneasily with me, and I just didn't think I, the whole thing seemed a bit kind of complex a bit muddled um so i'm going to say that is very much a miss thanks very much brian one to avoid definitely And Adrian Thrills, the Daily Mail's music critic. Adrian, we seem to be every week talking about a former One Direction. Uh, uh, sorry, let me do it again. And Adrian Thrills, the Daily Mail's music critic. Adrian, we seem every week to be discussing the output of a former One Direction um, contributor. Uh, this week, who is it? Uh, well, this week it's Niall Horan. I mean, it's like you, you wait years and years for a One Direction solo album to come along and then four come along at once, <laughs> like London buses. And uh, so obviously we've had we've had Harry and uh, doing his uh, his kind of West Coast yacht rock record. We've had Louis doing his Britpop tribute. And, uh, and just before Christmas, we had Liam Payne with his album, kind of quite R&B tinged. Um, and now it's turned Niall, who... Funny enough, he was when One Direction split, he was the unlikely solo success. His first album, he was pretty quick out of the blocks. His first album, Flicker, came out in 2017 and it topped the Billboard album charts. It was a number one record in the States. Uh, so he's he's taking his while, a while to come up with a, 
a, a sequel, but it's here now, Heartbreak Weather, out today. And he covers all sorts of different bases. There's, there's some kind of mellow guitar workouts. There's several songs that, that kind of start acoustically and you think he's going to go down the Ed Sheeran route before the, the kind of dance production and the disco beats kick in. And um, it's, it's an interesting... He hasn't really got a, a kind of a singular voice. One of my problems with the record is he, he seems to be kind of throwing everything into the pot to see, see what sticks. But um, I think we're going to hear a track, aren't we? We're going to listen to No Judgment. When you and me, no judgment. Not sure that's going to long stay in the memory. Um, no, what what do you think? That, well, I, I think it, it's a it's not a bad song. He's hooked up with a Canadian singer-songwriter called Tobias Jesso Jr., who co-wrote Adele's When We Were Young. And, and uh, Tobias is a very he's a very talented singer-songwriter. Uh, my problem with with the Nile record is it's the production is very generic. It's, it kind of treads that line between Ed Sheeran and balladry and a kind of lean dance production. And I think it will probably do quite well. But it, uh, I, I just think it needs a little bit. It needs a spark of originality or something just to to elevate it above a lot of records that have come out over the last year or so that sound very similar. So uh, obviously, One Direction, it, it's going to sell or whatever uh, albums do these days. But what about the age? thrills uh, in premature i mean a hit or a miss for you i think in this case for, for niall it's it's not a hit it's a miss and and what else is there out there this week adrian well there's the uh, the latest record from from paul heaton and jackie abbott you remember may remember paul heaton of course was the lead singer in in the House Martins and then the Beautiful South. And uh, the Beautiful South, of course, uh, were a band who split up in 2007, citing musical similarities, which, uh, <laughs> which kind of put a very different spin on the usual. So he put out a few solo records. And then a few years ago, he hooked up again with, with Jackie, who was, she was the kind of co-lead singer in the Beautiful South from about, from the mid nineties onwards. And she sang, she sang hits such as Rotterdam and Perfect Ten. And her and Paul reunited musically in, in 2011 and have since put out three albums. This is their fourth, because it's called Manchester Calling, named after obviously Paul, who House Martins and Beautiful South very much associated with Hull. But um, Manchester is his adopted hometown and he's lived there for the last couple of years. And it's classic Paul Heaton, really. You've got a mixture of the usual curmudgeonly moans and some beer-stained wisdom and some uplifting love songs. He, uh, the things that are getting his goat at the moment, he's, he's very again, against the, the gentrification of Manchester, where he says they're pulling down the last building that anyone actually liked. And uh, it's, it's a record, it's got loads of kind of pithy, one-liners there's a song called the prison which uh, the life advice of that track is make your deodorants expensive and your restaurants cheap but, um, he was always a brilliant lyricist i mean the, the beautiful south and the house martins had had some magnificent lines in them didn't they yeah and, and he's very much he's back on that kind of form on this record there's loads of loads of songs you need to kind of listen to them two or three times to to capture all the the various nuances of his uh, of his songwriting. Um, but I think we're going to hear a song, aren't we? Yes, let's hear uh, So Happy. Find a way up to my bed. 
we're tapping our feet here in the studio. Um, a hit or a miss for you then, Adrian? Oh, yeah, I think it's it's Heaton. And I love those tracks where him and Jackie, where the voices dovetail, as, as they do on So Happy. And I think it's a really, it's a strong collection of songs, well sung, well arranged. I sometimes wish he'd maybe push himself just a little bit more musically, but definitely a hit in my book. Many thanks, Adrian. Now the last of this week's hits and misses, this time what's coming up on the television screen with Claudia Connell, the Daily Mail's TV critic. What, what should we look forward to, Claudia? Well, I've watched Belgravia, which starts uh-huh. on Sunday. There's, there's been a huge build-up to this, I and mean, people have probably seen the trailers and the teasers that ITV keep dropping into programmes that seem to have been going on for weeks. But finally, it's here. It's um, it's created by Julian Fellows, the man who, who brought us Downton Abbey, and naturally, as you'd expect it, it's a costume drama that focuses on class divides, and I, I think we have a little clip here. We chose a life of lies. Now those lies have returned to haunt us. It's time to acknowledge him. Will you keep our secrets? Can I have your word? Downton Abbey was about a grand house in the country. Mm. I'm assuming from the title this is about city life, is it? Belgravia, the heart of London. Yes, so set in Belgravia, the main characters are the Trenchards. They're, uh, Tamsin Gregg and Philip Glenister play those parts. That was Tamsin oh, Gregg. Cast. Really good cast. Um, so they're very wealthy and um, Mr Trenchard is the man who built Belgravia, but because he's horror in trade, all the aristos look down on him and don't really sort of reluctantly accept him into society. Society. And the, the first episode starts with a, a lavish ball thrown by the Duchess of Richmond on the eve of the outbreak of um, the Battle of Waterloo. And the main story is about the Trenchard's daughter who has an illicit affair with um, an Aristo. And it's about the fallout of, of, of that affair. And it's as you would expect with a, a, um, a Julian Fellows drama. There's lots of, you know, lots of bonnets and corsets and tea sipping and posh people. And then, of course, all the gossipy servants below stairs as well. But it's, Sounds familiar but it, is it is it any good I, you know what i i really really enjoyed it i think he's sort of back on form i mean if you remember back downton was very good in the early days and then it sort of you know it, it kind of sort of went off road and got a bit ropey but this i really enjoyed this i thought it was very good i thought it was a really good storyline um it's I, I tell you what i think the gaff spotters are going to have a field day i i spotted a light switch in the first <laughs> few minutes i think about 70 years too early for electricity <laughs> so I, I think people are going to have a field day with that on social media but I, I was really impressed. I think it's it's ten episodes, and I I think it's going to be a hit. I think it's going to be a hit. So that's in our diary. What else should we be looking forward to? Well, starting on Wednesday is, is a new comedy also on ITV. It's called Kate and Koji. Now this would be a really funny, really popular comedy if it was 1972 <laughs> but it's 2020 and just no it doesn't work brenda blethen stars as a the owner of a sort of down at heel seaside cafe and um she is struggling to stay afloat when a trendy coffee bar opens nearby a regular customer of hers is a guy called koji who's played by an actor called jimmy akimbola and he's an african asylum seeker and i, I think we have a little clip here for you you work afternoons then do you no i uh I don't work. Oh, so you're unemployed? Well, you're going to have to shift soon, I'm afraid. Why? I need the table. 
sitcom Kate and Koji starts this March on ITV. The Loftus track sounded rather forced well, there. Well, I, I thought it was canned laughter, but apparently it was filmed in front of a studio audience. But I, maybe they must have got the studio on. It's very drunk before filming. So, yes, Kate's, Kate's a cafe owner and her business is struggling. It's not have helped by the fact she's incredibly rude and unpleasant to everybody who comes through the door. Koji is a doctor. And when word gets out that he's a doctor, people who live nearby who can't get in to see their GP start coming coming in to see him with that with their sort of ailment so he strikes up a deal with uh, Kate the cafe owner that he's going to treat her her clients but she's sort of obviously he's an african asylum seeker and she's um she says the four things that she hates in life are scroungers doctors foreigners and posh people and he's all of those so there's you know some comedy gold there Jim. Sounds it. Um, uh, I, I, I kind of have an idea where you're heading do with this you? one. Yes, I, I, I thought this was, this was, there was, you know, there was lots of sighs and lots of eye rolling from me, but absolutely no laughing. Uh, so this is a miss. So now you know what's worth watching this week and what's worth booking a flight to Milan in order to avoid. Uh, my thanks to Brian, Adrian, Baz and Claudia. Well, let's find out what's on everyone's mind on the other side of the Atlantic and who better to tell us than the woman who knows, the male's own Jackie Stephen. Uh, Jackie, what, what are they talking about on the streets of New York? <laughs> well, because everyone's indoors with coronavirus, <laughs> we have to have something exciting to talk about. And uh, we're getting very worked up by a selfie that Justin Bieber did, uh, where he's topless and he's in his underpants. Uh, he's p- promoting a Friends series, and uh, it's produced by his manager, Scooter Braun. And it's about a neurotic mid-twenties suburbanite, convinced that he's de- destined to be one of the great rappers of all time. Quite why this requires Justin to be in his underpants i have no idea i've yet to work it out but he does look very beautiful i hope they're clean jackie gone wild i hope they're clean clean actually well the underpants are clean i'm not sure the pictures (laughs) but he's he's very very tattooed and uh, everyone's gone wild about it one person has said it's going to blow up the internet which it has another said yummy 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 and of course we've also got daniel craig who's he's getting his kit off for the girls as well He's in the current edition of GQ magazine, and he's been hitting the news stories all the time this week, actually. Every single programme, TMZ or Hollywood Reporter, they cannot get enough of Daniel with his kit off as well. Now, I think that it's probably because the clocks went forward. Uh, We're ahead of you um, over here. And the second that anyone gets a hint of summer, it's, oh, let's all get our clothes off. The Kardashians (laughs) are getting their kit off again, but I mean, they're always doing it. It doesn't matter if it's winter or summer for them. (laughs) Daniel Craig looks pretty good for a man of 52 i mean i'm you know uh, it's a long way before i'm 52 but i hope when i get to his age i'm looking as good as that well i'm 61 now and trust me it's all downhill after 52 (laughs) i I feel myself only from the neck up now (laughs) (laughs) but jackie uh, on the coronavirus thing uh, is everyone taking the opportunity to um have a fortnight off self-isolating well, I think it's going to be a lot longer than that. Uh, what they're doing now with a couple of the shows, they're, they're stopping studio audiences being in them. The Bachelorette has cancelled the upcoming season's trip to Italy. It's Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. They're not having studio audiences. And it, I think it's going to be a big worry. It's going on for a long time. Uh, CBS has temporarily shut down The Amazing Race. Uh, because they were supposed to be filming, they were only a few weeks into production, so that stopped now, and there's no premiere date released for that. Uh, it's a big worry, and it's really affected, I think, you know, the showbiz industry, 
well, it's affected everyone anyway, but uh, showbiz is really suffering. Uh, and what about New York? The last time I was in New York, you could barely move for tourists. It was absolutely flooded with visitors coming in. Uh, have you noticed a decline in numbers coming into the town? I have this week because uh, the mayor said that nobody should be taking the subway. Uh, people should be cycling to work or walking. So the subways are certainly less busy than they were. And, of course, pe- people aren't travelling now. British Airways, I see, has cancelled all its flights in and out of Italy, although people are still coming in and they're not being checked. They're being checked for China, but not Italy, which is a worry. So although Italy's in lockdown, they're still coming into the States. And New York, as th- the cases are increasing by the minute here and that's a big worry i haven't been very well myself this week jackie please tell me you've not got it <laughs> i hope not i think it's just cold oh thank heaven so, i don't uh, like to be melodramatic no no the, the last thing anyone would accuse you of being is melodramatic jackie. <laughs> lovely to speak to you and we'll speak to you next week even if you are isolated away in your flat <laughs> you might be coming to my funeral next week so no too optimistic no No, young people are fine. Thanks, Jackie. (laughs) And that's it from It's Friday this week. Thanks to all my guests and thank you to you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google and Spotify and leave us a review. And if you'd like to get in touch, email us at itsfriday at mailplus.co.uk. We'll be back next Friday and every week with your Mail Plus briefings at mailplus.co.uk. But for now, I'm Jim White. Goodbye.